Hello and welcome to a special edition of our encounter video. We are currently on site at the General Assembly in which we are trying to make everyone happy and, and we're going to like fix the problems of the world and your particular church, I'm sure. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> but back to reality, um, we do want to say that it's been good and we want to thank the, yeah. uh, the host churches. We have the Heights Church and the West Side West Side, yeah, Church, CP Church and Rio Rancho. Rio Rancho. Yeah. And they have gone above and beyond helping with the youth delegates oh and making goodness. us feel welcome. And, and it's been good every morning. Uh, the women's group or the women's ministry has the, uh, the hymns they're singing every morning. And yes. I like to come and hear that. Yeah. Um, so it's been good. And but. To what we're doing today we're going to be on lesson five or yeah lesson five yeah. for july the third happy birthday america uh job 29 through really chapter 31 we're covering it uh job's heard all he really wants to from his friends and so now he's going and, and for the next three chapters he's just kind of needing to vent so mm -hmm. that's what he is doing in these things so let me read our prayer for illumination Gracious God, we yearn for the times of old, thinking they are better than today. Open our eyes to the future you have planned for us. Set our hearts to desire these greater things as we study your word today. Amen. Amen. And just by way of editing, we do have youth delegates here that are currently in the room next room door. Next so door. we're not killing anybody. <laughs> we're just enjoying no. the General Assembly. And I guess we really need to introduce ourselves to oh, my yes. goodness. So, so I am Reverend Rebecca Zardi. Please call me Becky. I am the director of ministry with women for the ministry council for the Cumberland Presbyterian church. And, and my role here this week is to really be an assistant to the director of congregational ministries, Christy Lounsbury, um, as we put on convention and it's been an exciting week. We've had a lot of amazing things happen, a lot of amazing women and those who support women in ministry here to just uh, enjoy our time together and worship. And it's been awesome. I've really appreciated it. And I am the coordinator for adult ministries for the ministry council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And really my role here has been to try to sell more encounters. Yeah. Uh, to let people encounter. know. Right, encounter. Yeah. To, um, I'm trying to push some information about the day in the park that's coming up October 4th uh, down at the state park where Cumberland Presbyterians were gathered together and enjoy some fellowship and worship. Uh, and then also about our engage program that uh, we've created to help churches discern their next step. So, and like, and subscribe. That's right. Hit those buttons down below. And another awesome thing is this is the first time We've got to do this together in the same room and not look at each other through the little boxes on so, the computer screen. So fun. How awesome is that? Yeah. So, all right. I think we got it. Our memory verse for today was Job 29 2. Oh, that I were as in the months of old, uh, as in the days when God watched over me. So you can already tell from that memory verse, Job is having having some self-reflection and a little self-pity. Yeah. But pity but party. Yeah, you know, but we'll we'll explain why. So um, I think what we want to do is to start off with our discussion question. Mm -hmm. And so the first question is, do we ever find ourselves wishing for the good old days? What were your good old days? And what were the good old days for your church? I know you all have Ooh. an opinion on that. Becky? Yeah, absolutely. So do we ever find ourselves wishing? I think we all wish for the good old days. There's something in our mentality, the way we see hindsight wise, and I think our author talks about that a little bit later, that we just see the good points. We don't go through and recognize all the 
stuff that we had to walk through, the garbage that happened to us. We're just like, oh, that was an amazing time. I know my parents and I, we sometimes have this conversation how much better it was when they were younger, but then they look back and go, eh, maybe not. Maybe it wasn't as, and as a pastor, I think that's something that's really hard for churches because we have photos of our churches with so many people in it and so many youth all dressed up. The yeah. youth aren't loud in a picture. They don't run and around in a amazing picture. Amazing time. Yeah. But then we forget that there were so many people there at that time because they all lived in that community. And maybe the community has lost a lot of people. They've moved away. There's not as many people available to come to church. There's all these things that we try to reason through and justify why the good old days were so much better than what it is today. Yeah, that bottom paragraph in the introduction section where uh, Dr. Estes says, hindsight, we know, tends to dim the struggles of the past and accentuate the positives. Our memory can tease us into thinking those uh, days gone by were better than they actually seemed in the moment. On the other hand, what a privilege it is when a person can justifiably look back on accomplishments and experiences and give thanks for these great times. Um, Walter Brueggemann has a good quote when I was trying to think about this for uh, when I was trying to push my church from the glory days to the new glory days. Right. Um, He says, amnesia is forgetting too much. Nostalgia is remembering too much. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's a pretty good quote. And if you play that in, I think that works pretty well. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I remember at churches, we do this. We act like the good old days were the good. At, At one and the same time, I would have some of my older folks in the church talk about how great everything was and how the children behaved and all that jazz sure. and then and then these were like the 80 year olds and then I would talk to the 50 year olds and the 50 year olds would tell me how they would sneak down to the basement of the church in the boiler room and smoke cigarettes <laughs> before Sunday school <laughs> and so awesome. like I knew that there was a disconnect but that's sure. how that's how it works yeah and the other thing I would bring up at the very beginning of the book where Job very like after his wife says curse God and die and Job defiantly says things like um God gives, God takes away, yeah. blessed be the name of the Lord, or uh, he says, you know, all these things that, that he says, or how can, you know, how, how can we take the good with the bad, these kind of things. But now, you know, 30 chapters right. into it, right. it's starting to struggle a little bit. Yeah. And, and so I think we all get there. We all start with that positive attitude, but sure. life has a way of just hammering you down. Absolutely. And then you start thinking. I think we all struggle with that as, as things affect us. Sure. So, all right. So as you can tell, we've, we've been, been introduced. Job is in a moment of nostalgia, a little bit of pity. And so let's explore a little bit more of this historical and contextual setting, Reverend Becky. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, what we've got up to so far is Job's three friends have just done their thing. And then Job's done. Job is done with this. We've had that wisdom yep. break. And now Job is like, I don't want to listen to any of y'all anymore. In fact, I just need y'all to shut up and listen to me while I, talk about how great things were and it's no longer good for me. So what do you got? Yeah. So then Dr. Estes walks us through the different sections of what Job was contemplating. He said, instead, he contemplates the life of honor, influence, and prosperity he once enjoyed that comes from Job 29. And then Job reflects upon his radically reduced status and affliction that comes from Job 30. And finally, he issues a protest of righteous living, which he declares with self-condemning oaths. If he is not telling the truth, 
Job concludes with a plea for the Lord to provide a written indictment of him to reveal what he has done wrong, Job 31. So Job yeah. is really just kind of processing through this whole thing. He's he's done talking to his friends and now his friends need to listen to him. And now he's looking back and reflecting upon everything that he once had everything that he has now lost and now his affliction and now he wants god to answer he yeah. wants listen you need to hand it to me in writing what have i done right. so wrong that that this has happened to me yeah we had the foreshadowing of i forgot which of joe's friends that kind of foreshadowed this you know if if you could take or if you could be in a court with god and god could and so that was the foreshadowing now uh, the next chapters after this will be God introducing uh, God's self to Job. Um, and so this is, Job is basically saying, I want, I want the testimony now. I want to go through this court case. And yeah. Though, you know, sometimes you don't want what you, what you, what you wish for. No, for this sure. is true. Um, now, the other thing that uh, Dr. Estes gets to in this couple or in this section is that he talks about these different forms of revelation. Yes. And so, because really, like, the only way God or Job can say I've been a righteous person is if if Job knows something of God's nature sure. and God's, um, God's you know, desires for, yeah. for his life. But the setting of the book of Job is before the Torah. It's before the Ten Commandments. Right. It's before you have synagogues. It's before you have all these things. And so, you know, one of the things you'd have to ask is how does Job know? How does he know? Um what pleases God. Right. And so um, Dr. Estes lays out three different forms of revelation. Uh, obviously, revelation is the same revelation. It's not different, but it, it's um, given in different ways. So right. the first one that Dr. Estes brings up is direct revelation. And this is like the revelation of the Holy Spirit, that God does talk directly to people. Mm -hmm. I think Dr. Estes uses uh, Moses on Mount Sinai. Yes. But any of those stories in which, you know, God speaks directly or the spirit came upon or those you know whenever you hear that um the second form of revelation he speaks about is uh, special revelation um and what special revelation is next summer uh, we'll talk about this in our confession of faith study on the encounter or in the encounter but special revelation is those those things that you can't know about god unless god directly reveals it to humanity mm -hmm. so like the scriptures jesus christ is the purest form of special revelation absolutely um so the difference would be okay and then general revelation is the third form and that's the thing that we get from creation we know god through his care of the animals we know the right. power of god through a hurricane or a tornado right. we know um so it's it's a more general thing and the way i like to um the way i like to explain it I go back to marriage and family, right? But always, right? Like <laughs> but it's, it's when you first meet someone who tickles your fancy. Mm -hmm. That's uh, a good one. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you just generally know about them. You maybe have class with them. You know that they're kind of smart. You know that they're, you know, you know they have brown hair, blue eyes, whatever, blah blah blah. You know the general things about them. You might mm -hmm. even ask friends, you know, what she like. Mm -hmm. But then, what or he, whatever, yeah, and then. Sure but then Thanks when for you include me in that yeah, conversation. He, she, whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not perfect ever is it um but then when you have that then you have that personal knowledge personal relationship right and then that person reveals more 
they get to choose what they reveal to you and when they reveal it to you. And so that's kind of how that relationship with God works when we go from, and then you have direct revelation, you know, when you're right. married or whatever, you, know, you have you times have of direct revelation and, and you know, the, the intimate uh, things of people. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a beautiful thing about growing with God is you understand God a little bit, but then as you grow with him and he reveals more of himself to you, you just have that deeper understanding, that deeper connection. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, so um, Romans chapter one, uh, where he brings this up, uh, where Paul writes, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. And that passage goes on to say, you know, you know how to act, at least generally speaking. You don't kill people. You don't. That's general revelation. But then in Hebrews, you have uh, where the writer of Hebrews says, God spoke to God's people in various forms and ways, but in the last days, he spoke supremely to us through Jesus Christ, his right. son, right? So you have the general revelation, then you have the scriptures, and the, but the supreme revelation, which our confession of faith says is Jesus Christ. Absolutely. All right. So then that kind of brings us back to Job and, and his understanding of how did he really understand God? And I think it was it was very clear even in the beginning that he had a relationship with God. Yeah. He says a friend, he, a he friendship was, with God. Yeah. yeah. So when you're a friendship, when you have, a, when you're a friend with somebody, you learn about them as you go along, as you mature and, and spend more time together. So obviously he had a wonderful and beautiful relationship where he understood God to at least a certain degree, but then Job here, he's complaining. Now he's going back to the, the, looking back on that good life that he once had. Um, and that kind of brings us into our discussion question yeah. as he's revealing that nostalgia of all the stuff that he's lost all through this. So the discussion question, let me ask you, have your fortunes changed for the better or worse since your childhood? In what ways? And how much of that change has to do with your relationship with God? Has it become closer or more distant? And in what ways? All right. Those are big questions. They are big questions. And I would have to punt first because I think if I were to judge where I am now, when I was a kid, I had different values as a kid. Sure. So what I, so my thinking has changed and I matured. 17 year old me would be like, eh, I'm struggling a little bit. 42 year old me, this is a good life. Like I'm good. I think it's gotten better for me. Not necessarily. I mean, I'm making less money than I was when I was 18. I, you know, like, right. Like I have more bills than I did, sure. you know? Uh, and so like, but they're good. Right. You know, it's either by choice that I'm making less money so I can do a ministry or yeah. it's, you know, the bills also have provided my kids for college and right. things like this. And so, um, depending and on where you right? and then how much does that change have to do with my relationship with God? I can say everything like right before I was, before I was a Christian, I was probably on a path of probably mm. having a little too much fun and not knowing when to stop. Right. But then, you know, I was converted and then I did the work of God. I, I applied myself. And because of that, God, you know, I was able to be introduced to my wife and now I have a family and now I have this yeah. job. And so um, now has it, has my relationship with God become closer, more distant? Both maybe. Sure. Um, and I think I can see that. And then in what ways? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I just think that's the part of the journey. Yeah, I so. agree with that. I agree with that. I would say for me, I'm kind of in the same boat. 
because my values are so much different and the way I see the world is so much different than when I was a teenager, young adult, that I don't know if it's, you know, I would say, you know, things have definitely changed for the better, but that has everything to do with my relationship with God. Um, you know, my, my relationship with my husband has changed. My relationship with my children has changed. And all of that goes back to my relationship with God and how much that has changed my life. I've definitely become a lot more closer, but I think we also still have moments where we walk in our desert valleys. You know, we have those times where we feel like we're distant because we're struggling through something and we're trying to God's trying to teach us something and we have to have this opportunity to learn. And sometimes we walk through deserts to do yeah. that, you know, and then the it's more not always you, fun. Yeah. As you grow in any subject, like, you know, there's like 16 year olds that think they know everything, but then when they go off to college and then they figure out that they could study one subject for the rest of their life and not know anything. And Absolutely. so as you grow, you know, you don't know as much as you think you should. Right? You know, so that's, that's you know, and I love that because that is one thing I keep telling people, the older I get, the dumber I get, <laughs> right. you know, what's the, get a, a kid had a poster in his room said, move out now while you still know everything. That's right. right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So then I think we switch over here to this digging deeper section. And basically I don't think we have to rehash because in the digging deeper section, I think what Dr. S is doing is highlighting, like we've already talked yes. about how his, how his position has changed, but he's highlighting yeah. in the fact of how really one of the things that changed in his life that hurt Job the most, aside from God being a friend, was all the people that he thought were friends yes. are now also uh, have, have disappeared. Disappeared. They've abandoned him. Like, uh, I like the, you know, Job's, like he was, where, where's that at? Um, where he was like a king living among his people, right? That's how um that's how he was known i forgot where it was at but um might be in the next section but yeah. either way i don't know um but anyway job was a pillar of the community and now that he's hurting nobody wants anything to do with job no nobody right? wants to hang around and, and that's kind of sad that's kind of frustrating if you think about it but that happens a lot it's the way the world works yeah um i did want to bring up that first paragraph okay. under digging deeper uh where um Job looks longingly over his shoulder at better days, yet in this chapter, he turns his eye upon his present dire circumstances, and he says, but now, three times in this chapter. That was then, but this is now. Yeah. And uh, by the end of the book, again, we, you know, it doesn't, like, you know, doesn't land real soft, but um, we have those buts. Like, we mm. could have been this, but this could have happened, but. Sure. But the ultimate but. The ultimate but, the ultimate but. Uh, is in the New Testament where I think an accurate picture of humanity is that we're terrible, but God in Christ loves us and God in Christ redeems us and calls us. So whatever buts that we have in this human mm -hmm. existence, they're smaller and right. they cannot compare to the but God in Jesus Christ. Right. And I think that's, a, that's pretty good. Well, that's huge. Huge. That's huge. <laughs> Um, so Becky, let me ask you this question. Has okay. there been a time when you expected gratitude from someone you felt, but instead received scorn or were taken advantage of? Oh boy. How have you dealt with those situations? Do you keep helping these people or do you harden your heart? Ooh, 
that's, that's a really good question. And I'm going to say that this has also changed over my lifetime. So I was one of those beautifully naive young adults who thought when my friend said, no, I'll pay you back that 50 bucks, that I was going to get my 50 bucks back, you know? Okay. So that, that really was sweet, but unfortunately really naive me at one point in life, we had moved to a different state and I had friends that lived in that, in the state that we moved from, we owned our home and I left everything in my name to help them. Mm. Yeah. Not such a great situation. So when we came back to move all of our stuff out of the house, after our house was ready for us in the other state, all of my utilities had been turned off. I had to pay some big deposits. Oh huh? my goodness. All my deposits were gone. I owed back for like three months. I mean, they tore up my house. It was awful. And so I will say at that point in my life, my heart became really hard because I was horribly taken advantage of. And it was through my own naivety that I was taken advantage of. But as I've grown with God and as I've changed my, my heart has become softer. And now I recognize that sometimes people need help and I can't expect anything in return. That's, yeah. that's not the point of helping is to have the accolades or, you know, to have somebody give you something else in return. The point of helping is just because there's another human being in need yeah. and I have something that I can share. You said it better than I did. Okay. So I think I've said on this before, my baseline, like there's no one righteous, no, not one, all turned away. All, right. I just expect people to take advantage of me. And so me and my wife have had this conversation. Yeah. She's like, why are you like, oh, because I just, I expect people to be awful. And yeah. when they're not, it surprises me. So my baseline. it's a good surprise. Yeah, it's a good surprise. Okay. And I am surprised a lot. I don't want to make it act like that, like every, but I just, if I give something. Yeah. If I do something for somebody, I fully expect them to take advantage of me. Sure. And and I, and here's the deal. I do that for two ways. I mean, like we've talked about in the previous things, do you suffer for doing good or what does right. suffering sure. mean? Like, I mean, when Jesus, you know, tried to come down here and tell people, to, you know, love one another, he knew he was going to get hung on a cross, but he did it. And he was used as a tool of reconciliation. So when you're in situations where you know that maybe you should be, you know, doing something, but you know, you're going to get taken advantage of, then you do it anyway. Yeah. And, and so, the, so my heart is not hardened in that sense. Like I just expect it. Well, that, and that's beautiful uh, in and of itself, because there are so many people in so many situations that refuse to give anymore yeah, okay. because their heart's been hardened because they've been taken advantage of. But the trick is now I don't just like, I'm not an open case. Like I'll tell people, especially young people, if I'm helping them, I'll tell them, look, there's 1,235,000 people I can help and I'm choosing to help you. And I don't expect it, but like they need to try. And I know yes. my, yeah. I'm not saying that you earn your salvation or in love. I'll still love them, but God gives me, God gives us a certain amount of resources to do the best good that we possibly and can. And wisdom yeah. to know what to do with that. So, and I don't expect but you know when you're helping somebody and they have taken advantage of you it's yeah. not it's not that you don't stop it's just you realize god's giving you resources to make the world better that's and right so, you, you go on. so yes we're blessed to be a blessing good stuff mm-hmm. uh so learning from the scripture the witness of the church um we're dr estes is talking about how we live in the new testament how the new testament calls us to live righteous to live good you know to be blameless and innocent children of god uh, but we do so without being uh, jerks, if you will. We don't have pride or, or 
because the only good that we do is enabled by God through the Holy right. Spirit. Absolutely. And uh, so like turning your nose up at somebody because they don't act as good as you, that's when you say, thank God, thank you, God, for working in me. Yes. Yeah. Um, Sure. So what do you think? Absolutely. I, I agree. He, Dr. Estes in the bottom of the first paragraph, he says the teachings of the savior above all require his followers to love one another and to serve one another, never lording it over others. Yeah. And that is exactly what you were just saying. It's, we can't hold that over people. I, I think at one point in my life, I really held on to that a little too much. too much. And it was just, it was harmful for me. And then I read um, in Matthew, where it says, judge not lest you be judged by the way that you judge. And I was like, be judged too, yeah. that yeah. hurt. That's a tough one. Yeah, that was a tough one. So Get I really, the log out of your eye, Becky. Oh, gosh, you know, I mean, just stick the knife in and turn it. And so that really made me think about how I was looking at other people, and yeah. how I was, I was judging them for however they were. We're not to lord it over each other. We're supposed to love each other. No so, matter what our gifts are. Yeah, I'll just read on page 35, the confession of faith, when it talks about our good works or how we do uh, six point. Um, well, I guess it actually starts in uh, six, yeah, 6.06. 6. Um, the confession of faith points out that salvation by grace through faith produces the desire to yeah. do the good works for which God creates persons in Jesus Christ. These good works, which include moral and ethical choices, as well as deeds of service and mercy, do not save us, but our salvation results in commitment to living out in such a way to glorify god right amen um, so uh, it's, that's it's fruit bearing that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing is we receive this beautiful salvation and because it has changed us and transformed us in amazing ways then we bear fruit and the fruit fruits of the spirit fruits, fruits, of, fruits of, spirit. of love yep. fruits of christ in our life. all of that so in the in the discussion question we've talked about this in previous stuff but the bible says that even our righteous acts are nothing better than filthy rags and if you're a teacher you can actually go into the lexicon look up your hebrew word for exactly what uh what isaiah was saying and it's worse than filthy rags. it is yes just to say it, it, it's not yeah. it's not good look it up. it's interesting so what then does it mean to be righteous before god that brings us back really to job one he was blameless and upright so yeah. uh, you know it's it's the sense in which you have a, a heart and a desire to follow God. Not yeah. that you're perfect. Right. Your perfection comes from Christ. But you have a desire to see God glorified. Yeah. To love other people because you've got a new heart. Holy Spirit living in you. That mm -hmm. Anything else? On so that? what does it mean to be righteous before God? And how can we be righteous? To love God. God. I mean, that's it. Love God and yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. Um, yeah. So the applying the scripture, sharing insights um i guess we can just really just oh let's just jump down to the discussion question because he brings up that how job goes to curse god and die and all that yeah. jazz but um job's care or will it, how might we lose the respect of our peers First, mm, that's a, i think there's a lot of things that we can do to lose the respect of our peers depends on where you're at in life yeah, yeah. you know and it depends on yeah your situation like okay you all know my story i think i've shared it on here several mm -hmm. times so one of the ways that I lost the respect of my peers was when I left the bar and decided that wasn't where I needed to be anymore. Mm. I had a ton of friends. I thought mm. I had a lot of friends. And when I left the bar, 
no friends. No friends. It was amazing how quickly that happens. And I think we lose the respect of our peers when we're not in the same situation that they're in anymore. Yes. That's what I, yeah. I mean, I lost all my friends when I became a Christian. Yeah. But I would lose the respect of my friends now if I acted like a not Christian. That's true. Right. You so would. Like, that would be, I wouldn't like you anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Save the grace, Becky. All right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think that's true. Okay, so the next part, Job's care for the disadvantage is well documented. No one forced him to do this. It was his own sense of what is right and his compassion for the plight of others that caused him to champion the cause of the less fortunate. He was on the front lines in combating injustice. What about us, Ooh. Reverend? Are we on the front what line? What about us? Since like everything in our life, yeah. when we turn on the TV, listen to the radio, talk to right. our friends, look at social media, is all about justice yes are you on the front line hmm. and how are we on the front line yes how how yeah. by talking about jesus christ that's one way that's one way certainly is so i would say i've, I've come up with this phrase i'm going to write a whole book about this friends but i'm going to call it bumper sticker justice <laughs> and this is what we do when that's we good. put like things on social media or like we we parrot saying things that we know is acceptable yeah but we've never gone to a food kitchen we've never we don't act on it opened up our home to people right. to come in and yes. disciple we don't do any of the hard stuff but we put a sign in our yard and we feel good because we put a sign in our yard yes or we have told somebody on or social media the bumper back. sticker on our car the literally the car. put it on our car but then we don't act upon what we have picketed yeah so this is a good question for i think this day and age that's the thing i try to i try to call people's attention to like we have made it to where righteousness and justice becomes things that we affirm but don't do yeah and that goes back to that micah 6 8 thing yes it's like do these things yes love people yeah not say it yeah um, james says that too right you know how, how can you how can you say you know be warm and well fed or you know but you don't do anything but about you don't it. do anything about it yeah I'm pray for you though yeah yeah that's pretty tough but i think that's important y'all as a teacher i think that's something y'all can explore and and it's the same way whether you're talking about justice or somebody standing up for truth like the sacredness of scripture or theology but you've never evangelized anybody right like okay good good for you so we got to get our words and our actions and our heart to do yeah. To do together, to work together in the same direction. No. Yeah. In the same direction. Yeah. Be a doer of the word, not just a hearer, as yeah. James said. Or a sayer. Yeah. Or a sayer. Um, you got anything else? No, I don't think so. Just thank you for joining us this week. Hit the buttons below, like and subscribe. Yes. And this will not be the last time that we do one of these live because we also lose another week of our family life. To be at CPYC next week. Yeah, absolutely. Looking so, forward to that. Week one, New Mexico, General Assembly. Week two, McKenzie, Bethel University, right. CPYC. And we'll look forward to seeing you there. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And thank you for your work. We'll see you next week. Bye.